Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Alan Isobamsuin is one of Canada's foremost and most prolific activist documentary filmmakers, and she has called Montreal home for six decades. A member of the Abenagi Nation, she has directed 50 films with the National Film Board of Canada that explore the lives and concerns of Canada's indigenous communities, and she has received some of the country's highest accolades for her work, including the Order of Canada, the Governor General's Award in Visual and Media Art, and most recently the 2017 Order of Montreal. Alanis first gained an audience as a singer-songwriter in the 1960s and was among the boldest indigenous voices articulating assertions for cultural identity, civil rights, and a condemnation of the oppressive colonial history that North America was built upon. In the mid-1980s, the CBC invited her to record her first album, and after repairing aspects of those sessions, Alanis self-released a record called Bush Lady in 1988, which, because of both its power and scarcity, became a collector's item. Thirty years later, Constellation Records has reissued Bush Lady, and Alanise and I recently had a discussion about the record's history and her life's work. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and, of course, listeners like you who make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creative control, subscribe to this podcast, and download episodes. This is the 412th episode of Creative Control, featuring Alanise Obamsawin with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Ana 
Hello, Alanis. How are you? Here I am. I'm very well in Montreal. It's very hot. Today. It's very hot as I'm speaking to you as well from Guelph. Yes, it's very hot. Have you, yeah. You've had this uh, heat wave. It's affected you as well. Well, yes, because I don't have a machine to get cool off. Yeah, I don't have air conditioning either, so it's particularly it's like 30 degrees inside my house. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something else. Yeah. Well, it's an honor to get to speak with you. And uh, we were just talking before we started rolling about your time in Montreal. You say you've been there since you were, what was it, 24 years old? No, is that correct? Yes, yes. I, I first came to Montreal when I was 24 and never left so you love you love Montreal. Clearly, you've been there over I, 60 years, it sounds like. Yes, and the community that I come from is not that far. It takes me an hour and a half to get there, so it's very nice. And what is it about Montreal? I mean, it, it sounds like it's uh, mostly what you have known for your life, so maybe you, you can't even pinpoint it. You've just been there for so long. But is there anything in—you've traveled uh, around uh, the world. Uh, what is it about Montreal that sort of still makes you want to stay there? Yes. Actually, it's many things. Uh, first of all, I love the look of Montreal and uh, the fact that there's uh, French and English uh, together. There's a lot of uh, artists here and especially the summertime. There's so much going on every day. There's something going on and a lot of it is for free. So anybody who cannot afford to buy tickets to go and see any shows, can have a wonderful time watching uh, the jazz festival or the laughing festival, uh, you know, it's, and there's one on the indigenous people. Uh, it's, it's very great that way. Are you familiar with or do you ever attend the Swanee el Popolo Festival? I don't know that no, one. It's a, it's a month-long festival that takes place in June, kind of free and improvised music. And, uh, I've yeah, I've Coppola, the, the artist, yes. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, it's it's quite yeah. wonderful as well. Yeah, I love, I often say Montreal is one of my favorite cities in the world, so I'm happy to hear your, your thoughts on uh, it. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah, I really love it. Now, I, I was very fortunate. I got to see you perform at the Megaphono Festival in Ottawa in February. Oh, Really? Yes, that was quite an evening. Uh, do you uh, have any th perspective on that evening at this point? This was, uh, just for people who don't know, it was a profile of Native North America. Uh, parts to, uh, Something to do with that compilation, I suppose, on some level. Um, yeah. And it was curated by the Megaphono people and Kevin House. And you performed uh, briefly. You performed a brief set. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what, what is your recollection of that evening? Well, it was very nice for me because uh, when I was very busy singing, especially being part of the Mariposa Folk Festival, I had my own stage there and I invited a lot of people and it was nice for me to see some of them again after all those years. It was lovely. Yes, and I have to say I was very captivated by your performance. Can you... Describe for people what you what you did that night because it was a it was sort of a multimedia affair, as I recall. Yes, but there also it was um, a celebration for Willie Dunn that is gone now for a couple of years, and he was one of the very top uh, 
performer for a long time, had a beautiful voice and could play the guitar. Only him plays uh, that way. It's true. Yes, yes. It was just uh, really nice for for me to uh, talk to him. In some ways, my understanding is it's that was a rare occurrence to see you on stage. Is that fair? Do you perform often? No, I don't do concerts anymore. Well, I I have just lately, but uh, I've I've been singing all the time, but just a few uh, chants or songs. But now since uh, Le Guess Who, where I did a full concert and nearly died from being so scared of it, <laughs> um, I get a lot of demands. So I'm... I'll do a few. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to talk to you about this record that's been reissued by Constellation Bush Lady in a moment. But before we get to, to that, um, and I know this is pretty well documented uh, online in terms of sort of your biographical information, but for those who aren't familiar with you, you, my understanding is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you began as a, a singer and a songwriter in the in the 60s, and then eventually moved into filmmaking, documentary filmmaking. You are one of the most celebrated and important filmmakers uh, that Canada has, has ever produced, if I might say. Um, but can you talk about that, th- those beginnings? Like, how, how did you actually get into music, first of all? First of all, it was because of my own experience uh, in going through the educational system that, for me, if I remember those days, it was a very dangerous time for me because uh, I went to a French school and uh, I was the only uh, indigenous person there. And I got beat up a lot, especially when they were teaching the history of Canada. And as I grew older, I, I realized that there was something really very wrong. And I was wondering, what could I do? And in my mind, I was thinking and I thought, the children have to hear another story. And that's how I began. I started with scouts, actually, going with them on trips in the bush and telling them stories and telling them games. And uh, eventually I got into the classroom. And by the time uh, we began uh, late 50s and um, 1960 was the first year that we were recognized as citizens of Canada. Mm -hmm. So that's the time we began to organize and traveling, which I had never done before, and meeting all the different people from the different nations and getting so excited. You felt so rich all of a sudden because you were not alone and uh, comparing languages. And it was really a very special time. And that's when I uh, really became somehow quite organized in, in terms of my singing. And uh, I started touring across Canada. I, I did hundreds and hundreds of schools. And at that time, we still have all the residential schools. So I did quite a few of them. And um, it was for me a, a time that I really enjoyed every minute of it. I love children. And I felt that I had been able to influence changes in the educational system. And can you describe how that manifested itself? Like, did you did you hear about that afterwards? Well, everywhere I went, first of all, eventually, you know, I did a lot of uh, public uh, speaking and interviews, and not just me, other people also. So finally, these books were taken out of the classroom, uh, 
thank God for that. And but they never replaced it hmm. for many years. And uh, now the difference is that uh, as, as I travel across the country, I find that there's a real ear listening in terms of Canadians who want to see uh, justice and uh, changes. So it's a very different time. And when we were being punished if we spoke our language, now they're teaching it at the university level, high school, and in a lot of the communities. So right away there, it's a big difference. I see. So you're you're describing a, a long term impact. It, it wasn't yes. an immediate impact. It's it's something that's resonated. Yes. Do you have? You mentioned your impact uh, on the education system. Do you have a sense of what those performances meant to the students uh, at these schools that you were speaking at? Did you get sort of immediate yeah. immediate feedback about that? Yes, but you know I can't start uh, praising myself. And you know that's not the point. I just. Uh, I knew from the questions and uh, the realization from the students and uh, the arguments and uh, their uh, curiosity and their shocked hearing what the true history is or yeah. was at that time. So at yeah. what point did you trans because you you're on some level it, it seemed like your your musical uh, output and, and work was uh, eventually you, you kind of you sort of left it behind for documentary filmmaking. Is that accurate? Yes. Uh, it was not just for that reason, because in 1988, when I uh, I asked for a grant, and I was able to produce my own uh, Bush Lady record, and, uh, and then I was distributing, and I found that so humiliating to go and sell the album, and then to go and collect the money. That's why I just couldn't do it. I did it a little bit at first, and then I packed everything and I said, you know, I come to a store and they say, oh, the manager's not here. You'll have to come back. You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I just didn't want to be part of it. So I, you know, I never, I didn't continue. And it was just lately, uh, about a year ago or so, that someone here at the film board saw the cover of my album. His name is Frederick. Uh, and he's, he, uh, um, was very curious, and he's the one that really brought all this coming back of Bush Lady. It's interesting, and it's through him that he sold one of my albums to a commissioner for a Guess Who, who loved it and wanted me to go and sing, and I, you know, I was very worried because I hadn't done any concerts for such a long time. But I did go, and I was... Very nervous uh, at first, but once I started singing, I was fine. And the audience just spoiled me. I was so well received, I couldn't believe it because I thought, gee, these people don't know me and they don't understand what I'm singing about. Yeah. So uh, it was very interesting and really very nice. So I, I just felt it was a very special feeling to be recognized like that. For those who don't know, can you explain what La Guess Who is? You mentioned it a few times. Yeah, La Guess Who is a festival that is um, realized in the Netherlands, at Lutrecht more specifically. And uh, it's very big, and they've got the best world singers and performers in the world that are presented there. And it was very interesting intimidating for me and uh, 
it was really special, really. And uh, you can, uh, they have concerts constantly, uh, and you, you know, you meet uh, artists that you can never imagine are there. So let's uh, let's talk about the uh, recording of Bush Lady. My understanding is it was initiated at a CBC recording studio, but you weren't very happy with um, the mixes, so you you kind of reclaimed it. Is that is that accurate? I'm not sure. I think it was 1985 that CBC came out with the first Bush Lady. It was done at CBC. And I like the accompaniment of all the songs except Bush Lady. So I wanted to um, eventually redo it with my with a musician that I knew, which was Dominique Tremblay, who accompanied me a few times before. And uh, I redid it with grant money that I received. So, uh, but now I had to distribute the, the record myself, and I felt good about that because usually I never even got paid at all or very little for anything that people um, use my voice for. Hmm. And uh, so, but the problem was distributing it I had to go myself in the store sell the the album and then go collect after and I found that very humiliating right so I, and that's when I pack up and I said I'm not doing this anymore <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask you about the the, the musical accompaniment uh, for these songs because the configuration is primarily flute cello oboe and violin I'm just curious yeah. how you arrived at, at that as a it's a it's a sort of a it's like a classical musical configuration on some level. Mm. I'm just curious, and yet you know you're singing songs uh, that are about indigenous culture. So I'm just curious about that melding of of sort of European yeah. sound, if you will, with indigenous uh, storytelling and singing and and uh, language, even French and English and and whatnot, and First Nations. Could do you mind expanding upon that in terms of how you arrived at the sound of this record? The uh, music uh, accompaniment was the choice of CBC, except for my bush lady. is also uh, a man who plays a violin. His name is Dominique Tremblay, that I just adore. And in the past, during different performances, during festivals here, he had accompanied me a few times, and I felt very pleased with it. And this is why I wanted him to accompany bush lady. And that's how I did it, yes. The fact that it's modern instrument, yes, and I, I, I liked it. I liked what the rest of uh, the accompaniment that CBC did, I like. There's some that I do a cappella because uh, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't go with uh, any instruments mm -hmm. except a drum. And uh, that's it. You know, you during uh, I, I can't recall if it's in the liner notes, but you you talk about the fact that the same people that um, attacked you and beat you when you were young uh, came to flirt with you as you got older, and that's a um, that's a profoundly disturbing sentiment. What do you suppose that means in the context, perhaps, of of this record and and the things that you're talking about? Well, I don't know if, if it has anything to do with this record, but uh, that's that's my own experience. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, you know it's very difficult to um, to have people insult you or being against you or touch you or uh, beat you, whatever those things are, and then all of a sudden the, they try to seduce you. I find that very disturbing. It is disturbing, and it, it feels to me like a narrative aspect of the title track, of the two-part title track, Bush Lady, this notion of you know, yeah. exoticization and fetishization. Uh, it, it is very confusing. This was a, you're saying this was a personal experience of your, of your own. Yes, but the reason why I did uh, Bush Lady was because of the history of that time, and we're talking in the 50s now, and, and even before that, and the 60s. And what makes me very sad is that, that that chant about Bush Lady is the same today. You'd think that we would have gone through stronger changes on that, but uh, our women still disappear, still are, ma- are maltreated, and a lot of them are on the street across this country. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me feel very sad. Yeah. It is very sad. And, and it's I think the fact that the issues you discuss and convey on this record, uh, you know, that you were conveying them at the time in the mid-80s and late-80s, the fact that they still resonate, are still present today, is, is obviously disturbing. But um, at the same time, do you agree that there seems to be increased awareness of these issues and other issues that uh, affect and impact uh, indigenous people in this country? Yes, especially uh, these late years. Um, it's it's a very difficult subject, of course, for anyone to get into. It's you know imagine people disappearing and are badly treated, are raped and. It's just awful to to think about and to think that it's still happening today. But now it's more at the front. And for a long time, it was as uh, we were invisible. It didn't matter to anybody. You you say, oh, it's just another Indian. And, you know, there was no respect. Mm -hmm. But now more and more uh, people are appalled. And, uh, you you know, like it's just I can't think. Of anything more, um, you, it's very difficult. Yeah. So we're talking about a record that was initially released thirty years ago, um, and and it offers the perspective of you thirty years ago um, when you were in your fifties. Can you? I'm I'm curious. When was the last time you actually wrote a song? I know you've been. Uh, rather consumed with your filmmaking work, and it's yeah. it's very celebrated. It's award winning, as I've alluded to already. But when's the last time you approached uh, telling a story uh, via a song or, or writing a song? Yeah, well, not necessarily songs, but I I wrote a lot of things. Like a, you might uh, identify it as poetry. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So you, you you continue to practice as a as a poet. Well, I don't like to make my, give myself a title that I don't even know if I deserve those titles, but I, I do write. Right. Yeah. You, you, okay. I appreciate appreciate your modesty, but I just, um, you know, my, my family and I were listening to your record on a drive back over the weekend, and my six-year-old son was rather captivated by it, and also rather haunted by it, I think. And we were trying to give him some context about it, and it just seems to me your strength as a as a singer and a, a songwriter is 
is is is quite integral like i think it's an important voice that you have and uh, i know that like i say you are mostly uh conveying your your thoughts uh, through filmmaking publicly is there a chance that you might uh release I know you hesitate to call it poetry, <laughs> um, but is there a chance you might release more works in the vein of Bush Lady or in a lyrical uh, format, so to speak? Mm. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell, but um, probably. Okay. Now, I know you, you, you kind of weren't into the music industry aspect of things in terms of distribution, and, and I think that shifted your focus um can you talk about your breakthrough the breakthrough moment you had in terms of filmmaking like when you realized that it was something you could utilize to tell your stories and and also when you realized you had a particular um you know proficiency at it yeah well for me it's the same thing with my singing and the filmmaking is for the same reason and uh so yeah i'm just myself I don't, uh, you know, a Porsche lady I wrote in the early 60s. And it was through going through a lot of pain and realizing how badly us as women were treated and or thought of. And it's okay to to, to rape, they called us Indian, because Christopher Columbus thought he was in India. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, like... there was not no respect at all towards us, and that alone is a difficult uh, thing to to live it and to go through it and to see generation after generation the same kind of thing. And uh, so, I'm looking for changes, and I think they're happening now. I just feel bad that uh, that there's still a lot of our people on the street, and that uh, the same problems are there. At the same time, a lot of them, those who get up from that, are the strongest. They're the ones that really make the big, big change because they've gone through it. And they can talk to their sisters and brothers because it's not only women. There's, I hear there's a lot of young boys that have been raped and abused. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes disabled people. And you know, it's very difficult to... Uh, think that in the world there are people in their minds that think that they can rape and they can uh, destroy someone's life and it doesn't mean anything to them like uh, it's just like you're nothing anyway and uh, those are the reason why I do what I do well I, I mean it's it's yeah and the work you've made is is very powerful um What's the latest uh, project you're uh, involved in in terms of uh, the? Fi- I know you're very prolific, and there was a, uh, and, and your films have been shown, uh, premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival, among other places. Um, is there a project you're currently working? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight 
the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. On that you can tell us about? Well, I don't like to talk about films that are not finished. I'm working on a film right now. That's my 52nd film. And uh, once again, uh, the reasons are the same. And... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. And, no, th- I understand. It's not. It's not yeah. done. So you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But are no. you? Are you surprised? And I, I, I know you're a very modest person, so I don't want to put you in an awkward position. But your films have been very well received, and they're very powerful. If I might say, the ones that I've seen, I haven't seen all fifty-one of them yet, uh, but I'll work on it. Um, because your primary working collaborator uh, has been the NFB this whole time. Really, is that correct? Yes, I've been here for 50 years. And what what is, the, just for people who might not know, who might be listening outside of Canada even, how would you uh, communicate the significance of the National Film Board for an artist like yourself in Canada? The National Film Board of Canada is a very important institution, one of many institutions in this country. And as I travel everywhere in the world, I realized how lucky we are in Canada. Institutions such as this don't exist everywhere. And that comes from one man whose name was John Grierson, a Scottish man that came here in 1939, I think, Mm -hmm. and influenced Mackenzie King, who was a prime minister at that time, to organize and to start a film unit. Then the war came on and they used it for propaganda for the war. But the, the main idea was for documenting people's life and have poor people and people of less uh, visibility to be on the screen so that poor people could see themselves and identify with it instead of always watching Hollywood films with very rich people and the chandelier and this beautiful woman coming down the long stairs. And, you know, it was for all those reasons. And not only that, but he went to India to Australia and uh, New Zealand. So it's four countries. Mm-hmm. One man, one mind has uh, made uh, help all these countries to create such a school as the National Film Board of Canada. And you really realize that even in the States, when you go there, there's no such thing. They have to rely on foundation and it's very difficult to, to raise money to uh, do these programs. So uh, this is something that I really feel great about about the Canadians who support these institutions and uh, this is it. So the film board has a, a role that's very important to all Canadians. Is to The mandate is to tell Canadians to Canada and the world. And it's wonderful because you have people from many different nationalities who can come here and talk about their history and be part of a country. And it's fabulous. And one of the the great feats, I think, of the NFB is that all of its content is available and accessible. I mean, yeah, anyone who wants to go through your films can can ex- can access them online. 
Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so this relationship has gone. How long has this relationship between you and the NFB gone on now? For what? What has it been? Uh, fifty years. Fifty. Fifty years. Nineteen. Yes. <laughs> it's since nineteen sixty-seven. That's remarkable. I mind you. You know. Yeah, it is. It's, I I love the film board. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't easy for me when I started here. You know, I had to go raise my own money for every film I made, and it was hard. It was difficult. Not only that, but it was really a man's world. And I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but I was an indig- indigenous woman. All the things that I was didn't fit in. And uh, and I remained and I stayed here and I'm very happy I did because uh, there were very hard times for me here. But this is a great place and it's here for the right reason. And I'm very happy to be part of it. Is, is you know, lots of cultural institutions are in a perilous state these days because of funding models and the way people consume culture even having changed. Uh, is the NFB in a healthy state as far as you know? Well, I think it could be better in terms of money, but uh, it's at least uh, in a better time because for a, like in the 60s, 70s, uh, 80s, uh, you know, some government uh, wanted to see this place closed and it made for a very weird atmosphere for quite a few years. But now it's not that feeling. It's quite contrary. They're even uh, building a new building for the National Film Board of Canada. Oh, great. So it's it's a, a different feeling for the filmmakers and to have a place and uh, it's very open and uh, and it's a place where people care about uh, people's stories and there's a lot of respect for it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a remarkable thing. Speaking of remarkable institutions, I just want to quickly ask you about Constellation Records. This is uh, my favorite record label and they're based in Montreal and they're the uh, people who have uh, gotten behind this reissue of, of Bush Lady. Can you talk about how that relationship began? Well, it was through the fact that uh, I was asked to go and sing at Le Guess Who in the Netherlands. Yep. It was through that. And uh, these people have been so nice to me. Like I have a hard time to believe it. You know, like I said, oh, my God. Like, usually there are weird reasons, but... I don't know. I've been treated very well and very welcome. And they're doing, I think, a lot of special things for me to make me feel comfortable. And I'm just, I can't believe it. It's it's just uh, very different. (laughs) It is an unbelievable label and a group of people behind Mm -hmm. it. I will say that. You say some, usually this is done for weird reasons, which I found interesting. Can you Elaborate upon that. What are like there are are there often? Do you find when you're working with people, they might have ulterior motives or something? Yes, in the past, I, you know, and I was singing a lot. I was taped by a lot of different companies, different people. I never but was paid a cent, and you know, I was very naive also. And uh, the you know, people make you feel you're lucky. They're asking you that to tape you. You know, now it's a different story today. Yeah, and and the the abuse was pretty big towards me. And uh, I, you know, I don't even care about it anymore. Okay. But uh, it's uh, it's a very different feeling for me to have had these people interested in Bush Lady and wanting to bring it back. I'm very touched by that, and it's the, all the way that the way they talk to me, the way they they're trying to do things for me. I'm just very touched by it. 
Well, this record, as I mentioned, uh, was initially released in in 1988, and then you kind of shelved it because you just didn't Mm. want to deal with the business aspect of it. Does it stand to reason that there might be other recordings from that time period or other time periods that we might hear at some point? I think so. There's an interest, and uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, I'm not a fortune teller. <laughs> I appreciate that you don't want to divulge too much of uh, unplanned plans at this point. Uh, so that that's that sounds fair to me. So what is you're working on this film that uh, is in progress? Is that's your major focus? Is there anything else that you want to tell us about in terms of um, potentially uh, live performances or or anything else coming up in the future? Yeah, well, I will do a concert on September 28 in Montreal at the Monument National, which is, uh, they have a very nice theater there. And this was organized by Constellation. Okay. And uh, I just hope that I can be good enough. <laughs> you'll be you'll be great. From what I saw in Ottawa, like mm-hmm. I said, I was really, really uh, captivated and, and blown away. Like I just... I, I still remember that performance, so I know you'll be fine. Um, Alanis, if, if people want to learn more about you on the Internet, uh, is there some place you would direct them uh, about your filmmaking, about your music, anything? Do you have a website or anything like that? Uh, the Film Board has a website on the films, and if you just um, put uh, nfb.ca, mm-hmm. then you write my name. Then uh, not all the films are there that you can see for free, but a lot of them are. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so in terms of Bush Lady, we'll have to see. <laughs> okay. Uh, that would be uh, cstrecords.com, I believe, for the uh, Constellation, and I hope people pick it up. Is there a particular piece or pieces uh, from this record that uh, you would uh, suggest I play for people right now so they can get a sense of this new record? Well, you know Bush Lady, there's two Bush Lady songs on it. Like there's the one long one. And if you go just a little bit further, there's a very short piece on Bush Lady, which I feel, uh, you know, whenever I sing it, it's just so special. Mm. And uh, it's very short. And it's about uh, a Bush Lady that's dying on the sidewalk. And... uh, Nokum in our language means grandmother, Mm. and it's the grandmother who appears to her to take her away. And that's the short one after the long one. You could play that. It's just a few. uh, I don't don't think it's a minute even. I'm happy to play both parts if you're okay with it. There's no time time limit per se. It's up to you. Well, if you have the time, it's up to you. <laughs> I always, I always have the time for you, Alanis. So this is uh, Bush Lady parts one and two from the. This is the title track from this excellent new yeah. reissue on Constellation uh, Records. Alanis, this was a tremendous honor and a, a pleasure to get to speak with you, and I, I hold you in great esteem. Thank you for this, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey, 
Hey, did you hear? That bush lady? Why, she got a blonde baby, you know. Somewhere to sleep. 
From that cold sidewalk This is your Nokum talking to you Sun is rising. Yes, I have come for you.
Thanks again to Constellation Records and Alanise Obamsawin for appearing on this, the 412th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom. If you can't find a, an episode that you're looking for on any of those platforms or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, everything you would want from me is on my website, vishkana.com, V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A dot com, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me at vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Thanks again to my in-kind supporters, businesses like Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts. And also to my friend Jim Guthrie. He lets me use the uh, instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet to Come, to end the show each week. JimGuthrie.org for more information about Jim and his music. And uh, once again, thank you for listening to the show, reviewing it, rating it positively, downloading episodes, subscribing to the podcast. All of that means a lot. And I will keep making shows as long as you keep wanting me to make them. So thanks for the support. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions Apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.